We're going to be in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 this morning. And so as you turn there, let me take a moment to dismiss our kids who are a part of our kids crew. This is for fourth grade and under who will head upstairs with our leaders for kids crew worship, a time of worship that is designed just for them to engage them with the Bible, with truth. We're excited for them to dig in this morning and have a good time as they study and learn more about God's Word together. Second Chronicles chapter 7, a, a, a verse of Scripture that we're going to study together this morning, Second Chronicles 7.14, that is well known. The, a, a verse of Scripture that, that no doubt you have You've probably heard this verse before many times. Maybe you've read this verse. Maybe you've heard sermons about this verse. You've prayed this verse of Scripture before. But this morning as we dig in, I want to just say from the outset that although I think this is an incredible verse of Scripture, obviously we're going to study it together. The whole Bible speaks to us. The whole Bible points us to know the Lord, points us to know Jesus and His power and His work. I also feel like this verse is often misunderstood or at the very least misapplied, misappropriated, if you will, because oftentimes we read this verse, and and you've seen this verse in this context, no doubt, and, and it's been a call for repentance, a call for revival, which it is. When you read the verse, you you see that. But because we miss the context of the verse, sometimes we we really miss the fullness of understanding of what this verse is to be about. So as we dig into 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 today, let's understand together the context of this verse, the importance, the significance of this passage of Scripture. This is taking place... The chronicler, and that's who we refer to the writer of the book of Chronicles as. We don't know the person's individual identity, so we refer to this writer, the author, as the chronicler, right? So the chronicler is writing here and relaying to us the story of the dedication of the temple. This is during the reign of Solomon as king over Israel. And as Solomon prays and dedicates the temple that he has built to God, we see all of this fanfare, all of this pageantry, all of this, all of this, uh, this, this royal uh, showmanship of, of sorts, but it's all directed at God toward worship of God. Yesterday was the coronation of, uh, of the king, the new king of Britain, King Charles III, the new, the new king of uh, Britain was coronated, and, and of course that was a big deal, and if you saw any of that, there was a lot of fanfare, months and months and months, and really, in, in a lot of ways, that pales in comparison to the fanfare, the pageantry, the worship, the show that Solomon put on when the, when the temple was dedicated, and then to top it all off, fire fell from heaven and consumed the, the sacrifice on the altar. What a powerful, what a significant moment, but just after that, the Chronicler re- records this, this text for us because in the night, now God appears to Solomon and God speaks this word to Solomon. So apart from all of the, all of the show, apart from all of, the, all of the opulence, apart from all of the, 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 the big production of things, one-on-one, the Lord appears to Solomon in the night and says to him, this is you can kind of read in verse 12, I'm just skimming some of this. I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place as a place for myself to be worshiped. And the Lord speaks this word, when I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. So the Lord is saying, if you are not careful to do all that I've called you to do, and when you experience my judgment, then 
God says this word, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, of course, as God is speaking this word to Solomon, he's speaking it in the context of a people, of a nation, of of, of, of a people that were ruled by God. And Solomon, as his representative authority to lead and govern the nation of Israel, who were his chosen people, the temple itself, this, this sacred place of worship where they housed the Ark of the Covenant of God, which was a sign to Israel and the rest of the world, all the nations of the, of the covenant between God and his people that God wanted to be known, that God had a plan to deal with the sin of his people, that God has a, a purpose for those who would know and follow him. And in the midst of all of that, there's this word about prayer. This powerful word that if we would seek God, and I, and I say we here because now I'm including us, because all of us who have called on the Lord by faith are, are his people. Now, when God spoke this word to Solomon, he was referring to a very specific people in a very specific time and place. But we know through the work of his Holy Spirit that the, and, and just through the authority of the word of God that this continues to speak to us as the people of God. But oftentimes today, when we read this, we read, if my people who are called by my name, and somehow we turn this and we make this about the United States or about America. This is not about America. This is about the people of God. Now, to the degree that this nation or any nation in the world has people of God who are in positions of influence, people who are in positions of leadership, people who are, who are leading the way, and, I, and, and we pray for that to be the case in our nation and other nations. To the degree that there are people of God positioned in those positions of influence and leadership, yes, this speaks to them. Yes, this speaks a word. But this is not, this is not God speaking to America saying, Oh, America, if you would turn your hearts back to me. And sometimes I think that's how we misunderstand or mis- This is a word spoken to the people of God specifically, saying, if you will seek me, I will listen. Now think about that for a moment. That the God of all creation, the God who, who made everything with but a breath, the God who holds this world in the, in the span of his hand, the, the word tells us, that same God says, you can pray to me and I will listen. You can pray to me and I, will, and I will answer your call. I want you to know me. I want you to pray to me. I'm reading a book right now, which is just a short little book, but it's a really good book, written by a pastor named H.B. Charles. And the name of the book is It Happens After Prayer. I've even entitled today's message, It Happens After Prayer, because all of these things happen after we pray. Because we pray, because we have a God who has said, I want you to pray to me. I want you to know me. I want you to pursue me. And in this book, H.B. Charles says this. I read this recently, and, and this just really jumped off the page at me. He's, he's, he writes, mark it down. The Lord God does not owe you anything. That is, God does not rightfully owe you anything except divine judgment, holy wrath, and eternal condemnation. Yet, God the Father commands us to come to him in prayer. And he waits with open arms to hear and answer and work on behalf of his children. And because of this divine favor upon every believer... We should never allow unanswered prayer to cause us to question the power, the wisdom, the goodness of God in our lives. Instead, we can live in confidence that God will hear and answer our prayers. 
The problem is we often miss or mishandle the answers God gives because we are not ready to receive the things we ask God for. What a, what a powerful, what a convicting truth that is. The God doesn't owe you anything. He doesn't owe me anything, and yet he invites us to come to him in prayer. And so we should never allow the fact that God doesn't always answer the prayers that we pray the way that we pray them or give us what we ask for. We shouldn't allow that to somehow push us away, but to draw us more all closer all the more in confidence and assurance that God hears us and that he knows and that even when what we pray for is not what God would have or even when God does not answer our prayers in the way that we would have him God is good and just because we aren't ready to receive the things that we have doesn't mean that God isn't listening Just because we aren't ready to receive the things God wants to give or the way that God wants to work or what he wants to do doesn't mean that he isn't working, that he isn't moving, that he isn't doing on our behalf. And so it happens after prayer. We need to go to God and seek him in prayer. I find in this particular verse of scripture, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, some very important and powerful truths about prayer and the prayers that we pray. And so I want us to look together this morning and understand how this particular verse of scripture ought to inform our understanding of how we're to pray and even specifically what we are to pray. And you'll notice in your notes that we'll even finish at looking at the types of prayers, the kinds of prayers that God answers. You want to know how you can pray in such a way that God will answer your prayers? Well, pray these prayers. And and, and we'll get to that in a minute, of course. But first, as we look at this verse, I want us to see Three, three things about our prayers, three ways, if you will, that we should pray, that we learn from Second Chronicles 7, 14. The first is this, is to pray with humility. To pray with humility. Now, if I'm being honest, I would confess that there have been a lot of times that I have not prayed with humility. There have been a lot of times that I have gone to the Lord and I have prayed something like, you know, because I I have the the understanding of the Bible and the spiritual language enough to pray, oh Lord, your will be done, but God, let it look like this. Oh Lord, your will be, not my kingdom, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done, Lord, not my will, but yours, but, but it needs to look like this, God. Humility, when we humble ourselves, mean that we, means that we bring ourselves low. Literally, that's what the word humble means. It means low. And so for us to pray with humility means that we lower ourselves so that we might exalt the Lord. Maybe even as I say that, the words of Jesus in John chapter 11 come to your mind that Jesus says that even I, excuse me, this is in John 12, Jesus says, even I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Jesus is the one that tells his disciples plainly, if you want to see my work be done, then then." exalt me. I need to be lifted up. Now, if you or I were to pray in such a way that it would exalt ourselves, it would be, it would be arrogant. It would be foolish. It would be narcissistic. And yet for the Lord to encourage us, to require, to command us to come to him in humility and he would be exalted is holy, right, and good, and true because he is worthy of exaltation. The reason why it's not good for you to be exalted when you pray is because, frankly, you're not worthy of that. I'm not worthy of that. It's a, it's a weight that's far too great for us to bear, that we can't sustain the glory of God and his goodness, and we can't even approach the, 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 
the weight of his glory. And yet, because he is God, because he is good, because he is all-powerful, because he is all-knowing, because he is everything and holds everything together, we can come to him and know that it's good for us to be humbled and brought low and for him to be exalted. And so we pray with humility. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, the first thing that the Lord says to Solomon about this prayer is we need to humble ourselves. You know, the reality is that even just for us to, even just for us to come to God and, and, and really if we mean it in our heart, seek him, pursue him, look for his will, his purpose, requires a measure of humility. There has to be that basic admission of something that we lack, something that we don't have, something we don't know, something we don't know, right? It's, it's, and so it takes an act of, of, of humility, but this, this isn't just a call for uh, sort of a, a moderate humility, but an utter lowliness, a total humility, an emptying of the self that says, God, I recognize your power and your goodness and your glory, and I seek you. So we must come to God in humility, in humility. Secondly, we see in this verse, if we're looking for a a pattern of sorts, ways that this informs our prayers, is that we would pray with obedience, that we would pray with obedience, the very next phrase. Humble themselves, right, and pray and seek my face. Pray and seek my face. Again, it's the, it's the acknowledgement here of doing what God requires, to pray and seek his face. To seek the face of God means that we, would, that we would pursue him, that we would pursue his word, that we would pursue his work. When I was a teenager, when I was right around the age of many of our graduates, right as I was graduating high school, there was an older gentleman, a retired pastor, who had been a mentor to my pastor. And he would come and he would preach to us sometimes on Sunday nights, he would, he would preach. And I'll never forget a sermon that he preached the summer after I graduated high school. Part of what was so remarkable about this pastor when he would come, he would carry a Bible, an old, an old Bible that was uh, worn, and, and you could tell that he, he'd had this Bible for a long time. And there was always a rubber band around the Bible. There, he, he had this thick rubber band that was around his Bible. And there were many times that he would quote passages of Scripture, lengthy portions of Scripture, without ever taking the rubber band off his Bible. And, and without ever look, you know, because he, he had so much of it memorized. And he made the point on this particular Sunday evening. People ask me, how do you know the will of God? How do you do it? And he said, this has always been my instruction, is that you draw so near the face of God that you can see which direction his eyes are pointing. Now, of course, that's not meant to be literal, right? I mean, that, uh, that doesn't really happen. But, but when you think about it in that way, I remember how profoundly that spoke to me on that summer Sunday night. This would have been in June of 1996, all right, so a long time ago. But I remember it to this day, how profoundly that spoke to me, that I would draw so near to God 
by seeking him that I could see his face and could just see which direction his eyes were pointing. That's what he said. That's how you know to do the will of God. You seek his face. You draw near to him. If my people were called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face, that we would pray with humility, that we would pray with obedience, which means that we would do, because you can't seek the face of God with sin in the way. Sin is always an obstacle. Sin is always a a, a barrier. It always puts distance between us and God. So to pray and seek his face means that we need to, we need to acknowledge our sin. We need to walk in obedience. We need to call out to God, which really then points us to the very next point, is that we would pray with repentance. Repentance is more than just naming our sin. Repentance is more than just confessing our sin. It's turning away from our sin and turning our hearts toward God. I I think the, the clearest way to explain what repentance means is just to simply say it's a, it's a 180. It's an about face. It's turning in a different direction. To repent means that I'm, I'm, I'm yielding my heart to sin or I'm, I'm, I'm giving in to the desire and chasing after sin. But in order to pursue the Lord, I have to release those desires. I have to seek after him. I have to draw near to him. I have to see his face, pursue his face. I have to walk in obedience with repentance, turning from my sin, turning toward God. And then notice what God says to Solomon here will happen. In fact, notice even a a couple of simple words. This is is a conditional statement, right? And, And if you've studied conditional statements, you know that conditional statements follow a really predictable pattern, a very predictable formula, that they use this this pattern of if, then. And we see that even here. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. If, then. If my people will pray to me with humility, with obedience, with repentance, then, God says, I will hear from heaven or heal their, forgive their sin, rather, and heal their land. When I look at our land, when I look at our world, when I look at our community, when I look, frankly, even in my own life, I see lots of reason for brokenness. I see lots of uh, a great need for a movement of God among us. And To be fair, I think we each need to look inwardly and see it in our own hearts as well, not just around us. We need to to pray with confident assurance of God's power and His authority and His goodness and His might and His willingness to work. But we also need to understand this formula, if, then. If we want to see God move, then we have to pray with humility which means that we would humble ourselves, that we would acknowledge his goodness, we would acknowledge his greatness, that we would submit ourselves to him, that we would would surrender our lives to him in faith. Turning from our sin, turning to Jesus as Savior, to pray with obedience means that we we seek to, to do what his word has instructed us to do, to walk in obedience 
Well, if you're going to walk in obedience to his word, you have to know what it says, right? We have to read the word. We have to study the word. We have to, we have to try to apply the word. We have to be students of the word. We've got to stay in the word to pray with repentance, to live in that, in that place where we remain humble before the Lord, where we remain responsive to him and, and obedient in such a way that as God directs us, we would say, Lord, I release it. I give it up. I, I repent of this. I turn from this, and I want to focus my heart, my eyes, my, my mind, my gaze on you, Jesus. It's this if-then formula. Oh, that we would be a people that would pray to God such that he would hear from heaven, forgive our sin, heal our land. But we need to understand, we have a work to do in this. Now, not in, not in forgiving anything. When I say we have a work to do, hear me, okay? We're not earning our way. We're not earning God's favor. We're not earning his goodness. But the work in our hearts requires that we would, that we would lower ourselves, that we, would, that we would acknowledge our sin, that we would live in repentance. We, we have to to be aware of, which takes me back to the quote that I began with. God doesn't rightfully owe you anything except divine judgment, holy wrath, and eternal condemnation. Yet, God the Father commands us to come to him in prayer, and he waits with open arms to hear and answer and work on behalf of his children. Are you seeking after God in prayer? Later in this book, Charles writes, if the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong, God says grow. But if the request is right and the timing is right and you are right, God says go. May we come to him in confidence and assurance as we seek him and seek his movement. It's the kind of prayer we all want to pray. And you might say, well, what does that look like? I, give, me, give me something. Like, throw me a bone here. Help me understand. What, is that, what does that look like? Well, I, I, I want to do that very thing. I want to give you three prayers that God answers. Three kinds of prayer. Three prayers, if you will, that God will answer when we pray to him in this way. When we pray to him in humility, in obedience, with repentance. The first kind of prayer God answers is God answers prayers in accordance with his will. In accordance with his will. Psalm 37, 4 tells us, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You want to know how to get your heart's desire is delight yourself in the Lord. Seek the things of God. Pursue the things of God. Make him first in your heart and your life. And when you pray to him, God will say, yes. Delight yourself in the Lord. Pray in accordance with his will. Lord, I'm seeking not my will, but yours. Lord, I want your will to be done and mean it, right? Because we've probably all prayed that prayer before, even if we've just been mouthing the words of Scripture. Your kingdom come, your will be done. But do we really mean, God, your will be done? Do we really mean, God, whatever you have is good, whatever you have is enough, whatever you want is best? Are we willing to pray in accordance with his will? If we would pray in accordance with his will, God will answer that prayer. Because think about it, all we're really asking is that God would do what God means to do anyway. And he has the power and the authority and the right to do his will. And when we pray and align ourselves with that will, God hears, he answers those prayers. The second kind of prayer that God answers is when God answers prayers that align with his word. You wanna know how to pray? Pray according to his word. Pray according to his word. 
Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Look at these words on the screen. I've got a thumb there real fast. Colossians 2, 4, 2 and 3. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Paul is saying, pray for us. Pray according to the word of God. Pray according to the will of God. Ask God to open the doors. May God go before us that the word would be proclaimed. You want to pray in a way that God will hear and answer your prayer. Pray prayers that align with his word. Lord, would you do this? Lord, would you, would you accomplish this? Your word says this. God, your word has spoken this truth. Your word has given me this command. Lord, I want to align my life with your word. When we align ourselves with the word of God, his work will be accomplished in us. God answers prayers in accordance with his will. God answers prayers that align with his word. And finally, God answers prayers that anticipate his worship, that anticipate his worship. In other words, when we pray in such a way that it would lead other people to see Jesus in and through us. That's what Paul's praying. Again, that's the heart of his prayer in, in, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. But also, if you look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, this is a, a powerful word about prayer. In Ephesians 3, 20, Paul writes, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. See, God is able to do way beyond what you ask him to do. But here's the incredible thing, because sometimes we don't even know how to put it into words. God's able to do abundantly more than what you think beyond your ability even to conceive of his goodness, of his power, and his work. You may think, I don't know how God could reach this person. I don't know how God would do this. I don't know. God knows. You don't have to know. Friend, all you've got to do is just pray that it would be done. And Lord, use me if you will. When we pray prayers that anticipate his worship, meaning when we pray in such a way and we live and we work in such a way that we're trying to lead other people to see Jesus in us, that our lives are, are being spent in such a way that we're pointing people to Jesus, we're, we're pointing the way to Christ, God answers that prayer. He says yes, because, again, because God works in accordance with his word. His word promises that if he would be exalted, he would be lifted up, he would draw all men unto himself. May we pray in a way that is in, in accordance with the will of God. May we pray in such a way that we would align with his word. May we pray in such a way that, that we would anticipate his worship, that we're trying to move and act and do in, in a way that would lead others to know Jesus. So that God's power would be at work in us, through us, for the world to see. And students, graduates especially, I want to say to our class of 2023 who are scattered around the room this morning. Can I encourage you with this word? This is a challenge to all of us, but especially to you this morning as you're on the, the precipice, if you will. You're right at that place, at that threshold, that doorway of stepping out into life and stepping out into those next things. Can I just say to you that if you want to live a life that is marked by the power, the movement, the hand of God, you must come to him in prayer. And you must seek him in prayer. 
You must acknowledge the limits of your own abilities, the limits of your own authority, the limits of your own goodness, and you must pursue him and his hand and his movement. And if you would do that, if you would humble yourself, if you would live in obedience, if you would walk with repentance, God will move in your life. And you will see amazing things, incredible things, great things even that we sing about. Because the same God who brought fire from heaven to consume the altar in the day of Solomon is the same God who's at work even now when we pursue him. In a moment, we're going to move into a time of response where we respond to God this morning, where we say, all right, Lord, I I, I want to respond in obedience in some way. Perhaps you're here this morning and God has been stirring. He's been moving in your heart. Maybe even as I've been speaking this word this morning and I've been talking about what it means to to walk in humility and and repentance and obedience, you would would say, you know, the truth is I've, I've never really done that. I've never really humbled myself before God. I've never really repented of my sin and turned to him to walk in obedience. And if that's the case, then I would just say simply today, make this the day, make this the moment that you respond to God in faith. Make this the time that you turn to him and you say, Lord Jesus, I want to submit my life to you. I come to you in faith, asking you to move in my heart and my life. Would you surrender yourself to him? Even this morning, you can make this the moment that you humble yourself before God. When we sing this song in a moment as we stand, I'm gonna be standing right here at the front. Brad is well. And if you're ready today to surrender your heart and your life to Jesus, then even while we sing, I would encourage you that you would come. Let us walk you through a prayer of faith, a prayer of commitment where you just say simply, Lord, I humble myself before you. I ask that you would be exalted, lifted up in my life. Turn from your sin. Turn to Jesus as Savior. Maybe you know that you've trusted Jesus, but in truth this morning, you, you feel desperate for a, a movement of God, a word of God, a direction in, in some sort. Can I encourage you? Continue pursuing him in prayer. Humble yourself. Be obedient. Repent of your sins. Turn to the Lord. It's the if-then, right? If my people humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land. May we pursue God in prayer, praying according to his will, aligning with his word, anticipating his worship as we seek to honor him in all things. And even as we prepare to respond, I want to invite you to join me in a moment of prayer. When we put into practice the very thing that we've been studying together this morning. Would you pray with me now? Lord God, as we come before you in prayer this morning, we desire to humble ourselves. Lord, that we would be, that we would be brought low so that you might be exalted among us. We recognize our need for you, God. We recognize uh, the limits of our power, of our strength, of of our knowledge, our understanding. We recognize even the limits of our goodness, of our ability and our agency, Lord. And we seek you, God. Not a better version of ourselves. Lord, we want to be emptied of ourselves that we might be full of you. Move in our hearts. Move among us, Lord. We confess our sin. We, we turn from it and turn toward you. And we ask God for you to move among us. 
that you would be exalted, Jesus. There are a lot of problems in this world, and Lord, we don't have a, a fraction of the understanding we would need to fix those, but we know that that's nothing for you. And so we pray, God, that you move in might and power through us as you move in us. All of this we pray in your name. Amen. So we stand together this